Welcome to the God Took Me to Las Vegas podcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 25 to 30 minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life has just thrown you one more curveball than you were expecting. I'm so glad you're here. It's always great to know that we have, we do have people joining the broadcast or listening to the broadcast, watching the broadcast from coast to coast and around the world. Uh, it's a huge blessing to know that we have viewers and listeners in 45 countries. So thank you for taking time from your busy schedules to connect. Depending on the platform you're watching or listening to this on, if there's a subscribe button, please hit subscribe. If you're on our Facebook page, there's a place for notes there or comments. Um, we just hugely appreciate and respect your your feedback and, and your comments and your thoughts. Anyways, uh, so hello, my name is Daryl, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I celebrated six years of sobriety from lust and pornography on February 17th of this year. I also struggle with fear of what people think of me and fear of failure. I'm facing both of those fears by slowly handing them over to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a child, I came from a broken home where myself and my sister suffered from abuse from our stepfather. Not physical, but mental abuse and neglect. I remember as a child at the age of five, dreaming of a life with my biological father whom I'd only talk to on the phone from time to time. Until one day at the age of six, I would get the choice to go live with him and my new stepmother. I remember thinking, I'm finally going to be happy. Was it long though before my parents started fighting? And it mostly was because of me. I felt alone and abandoned by my biological mother. Summers were great because that meant my sister was coming and I wouldn't feel so alone. We would play and fight like most siblings, but when it came time for her to go back home, I would cry like a baby and beg her to stay. When I was, uh, when I was from the age of 7 to around 13, we attended an assembly of God until the pastor said something in reference to my dad's job that he didn't sit right with him. Um, you see, my dad worked for a very well-known beer distributor. After that, we never went back to that church. I remember being sad that I wouldn't be able to see my friends from church anymore, and then the fact that we even had a baptism at our pool at our house for anyone who wanted to be baptized, including myself. I wouldn't attend church again until I was in boot camp on the weekends in the Navy. My attraction to the opposite steps sex seems like it started at around the age of four. I never went through that awkward stage where I thought girls were gross. Um, at times I felt I was doomed from the start because of my infatuation with women. At about 12, I would view my first pornographic image when I found a keychain of cards my father had tucked away that had pictures of nude women on them. It was then that I got introduced to masturbation, my gateway to freedom and fantasy that I would turn to in order to cope with my fears and insecurities. This would continue until I joined the Navy, where I would purchase my first pornographic magazine. High school was difficult, not because I didn't have friends, but because I was already caught up in lust and didn't date much. I would make the grades I needed to, but never really found anything that piqued my interest. I once found a pornographic tape my parents had and acted out to it when no one was home. I'd already developed a secret life by the time I was 17. 
My first sexual encounter wouldn't happen until I was 20 years old and in the Navy. The Navy was exciting. My dad was strict on me as a child, so I knew I could take and follow orders. After my A school in Chicago, I got stationed in the Philippine Islands. That is one where I would um, be with my first prostitute. I would blow my entire check on alcohol and prostitutes. Luckily, I lived on board the ship where I was fed and clothed. After six months stationed in the Philippines, my ship went back to the States to my permanent duty station in San Diego, California. While on board the ship, I would get qualified on anything I could from helo and flight refueling to shipboard firefighting. I had a good buddy in the Navy that was a search and rescue swimmer, and he talked me into trying out. After finishing search and rescue school, I became the first search and rescue swimmer in the engineering department on board the ship. I got into a pretty serious relationship and stopped viewing pornography for quite a while until I would go back out to sea to another country. You see, when I was underway, there would be porn running on the TV all night. And I was just, in, and I was just young enough to believe that this is what sailors do. This relationship would last until I got out of the Navy. We tried to make it work, but the long distance slowly drifted us apart. I remember my girlfriend coming to Florida to see me, and I couldn't even be intimate with her because of all the porn and sexual relationships had desensitized me. This broke her and my heart. Even after that, I still didn't realize the damage my addiction had already caused. We would eventually marry, she would eventually marry someone I had known in the Navy, and I was happy. I was glad she found someone who deserved her. This is but a few things that sexual addiction has stolen from me. I was already on a dangerous, dangerous course of sexual sin. After that, there were many nights I would cry out to God, asking Him why I couldn't find someone. I would rationalize the fact that I was a good guy and I deserved to be loved by another. Little did I know that God loved me and was waiting for me to love Him enough to love myself. My early 30s was filled with partying, which included alcohol, drugs, and a whole lot of porn. I would get paid on Thursday, and as soon as the money got into the bank, I was at the ATM machine getting money out, driving to Tampa, where I would either get to a, go to a massage parlor or video store or both. I was losing control of my life. One relationship led to another, and of course I would blame it on the other person. Deep down I knew what the reason was, but didn't have a good enough reason to stop. Like the White Book says, and that's a book that we used in my essay group, um, I was going through, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I could never know true union with another because I was addicted to the unreal. I remember going out one night to one of the clubs that I frequented by myself, not really looking to meet anyone. I was just there to hang out, maybe run into some friends. While standing on the side of the dance floor, watching other people dance, a beautiful girl with brown hair and green eyes walked up to me and asked me why I wasn't dancing. I'm usually the one out there dancing and battling some of my buddies. I've always been into dancing, whether it be two-step, breakdancing, or just freestyle. When I saw her, I couldn't believe she was talking to me. Evidently, she had seen me there before and liked the way I danced. This was my opening, so I asked her to dance. We had a great time dancing and getting to know each other. After the club closed, I asked her to go to a club in Tampa that I knew stayed open all night. After using some of my best lines and active persuasions, she still said no. This intrigued me more. So I settled for a phone number and called her the next day. 
After a few weeks dating, we became exclusive, and for the first time in a long time, I knew I was in love. I remember on my 34th birthday telling my dad that I had met the woman I would marry and spend the rest of my life with. My acting out stopped for a while. I was in a new and exciting relationship. This seemed to be how most of my relationships would start. Soon that I would resort to my old ways and allow lust and porn to creep back into, creep back into my life. It got to the point that I would wait for her to go to bed and I would order porn on cable. But after some time of us not being intimate, she would begin to ask why, asking me, are you not attracted to me anymore? Porn had desensitized me so much that I no longer had the desire or energy to be with the most important woman in my life. Porn had taken away and made ugly and perverted what God intended to be beautiful and a gift from Him. In 2005, during Hurricane Katrina, I was in Louisiana restoring power. I'm a lineman by trade, <clears throat> and I traveled a lot during storm season. I remember one night <clears throat> getting a voicemail from my then-girlfriend, and the first thing out of her mouth was, <clears throat> Hey, porn star. When I heard that, my heart stopped. She had seen the charges on the cable bill and found a DVD that I had hidden, and she wanted some answers. Of course, when I finally got up the nerve to call her, I did what I always do and tried to deny it. I was really in denial with myself and my problem. After about 30 minutes going back and forth and trying to cover up my lies, I finally fessed up and told her what I'd been doing. As bad as I felt at the time, I also felt a heavy weight lifted off my shoulders. I had never told anyone about my secret sin. I still look back at that moment and thank her for saving my life. We both agreed to start seeing a, count, a Christian counselor, and it seemed to be helping. That was the first time that someone had described me as a sex addict. I remember him telling her that she would probably have to leave me before it was all said and done. This didn't sit right with me, and I expressed to my counselor that I was not pleased with what he had told her. I'd like to tell you he was wrong, that everything was fine, and we worked it out, but it turns out that he was right. It wasn't long before she caught me again, and she moved out. I couldn't recall one of the things she said to me before she left with tears. This always gives me. <laughs> left with tears in her eyes, and mine as well. One of these days you're going to get better, and some girl's going to get a great guy. I continued to see the counselor and started attending a small group. My counselor suggested that I would slowly start closing the door on our relationship because I only had enough energy to focus on me and my addiction. But leave it cracked just a little, and if it's God's plan, He will make a way to start opening it back up. He suggested that I start going to a recovery group that was meeting downtown. I didn't go right away, but stayed at my small group. I would call her from time to time when she had mail at my house, or if I got a shipment of a su supplement drink we were, had started drinking. Of course, I would make sure I, w I was there so I could see her. I would even wash her car for her just to spend time with her. I never truly gave up on us, but my true focus was to stay sober if I were ever going to get her back. In October of 2006, I called her up. I knew it was getting close to her birthday. Neither one of us were seeing anyone else, so I asked her if she had plans for her birthday. She said no. And I said, well, you do now. I took her out to dinner, and we had the best conversation we had ever had. We took it slowly and would eventually get back together. 
One condition was that I would get into recovery group. So I took my counselor's advice and reluctantly, uh, reluctantly went. I mean, I was comfortable telling my counselor my problems, but expressing them to a group of people scared me to death. Sitting in the parking lot outside the building, I almost talked myself into driving off, but I didn't. I finally got up the nerve to go in, in and the acceptance I received from this, that group is something I will never forget. I thought I would, be, I would be in a chair in the middle of a bunch of people looking at me saying, Hi, I'm Daryl, and I'm a pervert that likes looking at porn. Instead, it was a group of men who struggle with the same thing. And after a few meetings, I began sharing and peeling back the layers of my life and addiction. When I was still seeing my counselor, he told me to write a letter to my dad expressing the hurts and emotions of my childhood. I told the group about my letter, and I'll never forget what someone asked me. He asked me if I wanted to read it out aloud to the group. There was something about saying out loud that gave me such a release of emotions that I had bottled up for many years. A few months later, I would read that letter to my dad. We both wept and have had a better and stronger relation since. In 2008, I got married to the love of my life. We were doing great, and I was sober for quite some time. Eventually, four of us in a group would start our own support group. That group would grow to about 10 of us, and the focus was on accountability and freedom from addiction. By being a member of the church, we were able to use one of the portables on the campus to hold our meetings. After about a year, the leader of the group left to pursue a pastoral position at a church. I was determined to keep the group together, so I started leading. There was a lot of restoration found for individuals as well as marriages. The group lasted for another year, and unfortunately, they moved us into a room in the main church, and people started leaving. Guys, this is why Quest 180 works so well, because it is designed to focus on the church and unchurched individuals without fear of judgment. After a few weeks, I had to, had to cancel the meeting due to no one showing. What I should have done was find another support group, but I didn't. I thought I was strong enough and far enough along in my recovery and didn't need it anymore. Boy, was I wrong. It wasn't long before I relapsed, and it fell right back into my lustful thinking and pornography. It started out kind of subtle with just some risque swimsuit ads until I eventually started viewing porn again on my phone and deleting my history. This would be the turning point in my life and almost the end of my marriage. I remember grilling one night on the back porch and decided to get a quick fix on my phone. Suddenly, the sliding glass door slung open, and my wife asked me what I was looking at, and I deleted my history as fast as I could, and I said, just some news. She knew by my response and my tone that I was lying. After a while, she finally found out how to retrieve my history, and I was caught. I begged her not to kick me out and divorce me. After about a week sleeping on an air mattress, she gave me grace and told me I needed to get back into some accountability or our marriage was over. It seemed like it always had to come to this for me to stop using porn and get help. I called my old support group leader, and we started meeting again. I was able to get back on track with my sobriety and my accountability. We were doing pretty good for a while until something popped up on my phone from my history. Of course, she immediately thought I was being shady again. After looking into it, she realized that it, uh, what it was, and we both agreed that I find another group. That's when I reached out to Cameron and joined his SA group, which is a group that focuses on sexual addiction. I knew this was my last resort if I wanted to keep my marriage and stay sober. After attending the group, 
a few weeks, I began to feel something different about this group compared to the support groups and accountability partners. We introduced ourselves as sex addicts and discussed our character defects for that week. That was the first time I felt a part of something that strictly focused on what I was struggling with. I realized that addiction has many different faces, but these guys were talking about and sharing the very same thing that I had been fighting against and white knuckling to stay sober for most of my life. I knew that I had times of being sober, but as I began to listen to and share my struggle, I began to believe that I too could have victory over lust and experience true freedom over my obsessive compulsive behavior. As I began attending more and more, the meetings began my new addiction. Even when I wouldn't feel like coming, when my emotional cup was already running over, I felt energized and hopeful when I left. I can recall a moment when I was really struggling at work and didn't even want to get out of bed because I was so stressed out. But instead of medicating with porn, I called an accountability partner and we prayed through it. That would not have been possible if I hadn't been in a group. My essay group was a turning point in my life and in my marriage. I kept hearing men talk about the 12 steps. I had heard of it, but was, uh, I thought it was geared mostly around those who struggle with drugs and alcohol. As I began to listen to those who had been through the 12 steps, I began to realize that true recovery came from working the 12 steps. Are you seeing a pattern here? Work the steps. So through the help of Cameron and James, another facilitator, I joined the next available step study and realized that I wasn't, it wasn't just porn that was the driving force of my addiction. It was also the past hurts and wounds that were inflicted on me and by me. Writing them down and doing my inventory opened my eyes to some of the things in my life that had remained hidden for a long time. And I realized how much I needed to forgive and be forgiven. The transparency and friendships I received from that is something I will never forget or take for granted. I encourage anyone who is struggling with addiction to be a part of a 12-step a program. It changed my life, and it can change yours. Best thing my wife told me as I was doing my steps is that she could see a definite change in, in my life. That's why I know it works. One Bible verse that's helped me was Isaiah 4, 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not, do not be dismayed. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Which brings me to where I am currently. In, in 2020, I got an opportunity at a position with my company that would bring me to the Space Coast. So we sold our house in Lakeland, Florida, and found one here in, sun, in the Sun Tree area. After getting settled, I decided to, I needed to get back into a support group. So I tried a few SA groups in Melbourne, which were good groups, but not really Christ-centered. I even tried an, a Teams SA group for a while, but it wasn't until we were at church here at CAV that I heard Randy speak about Quest 180. I turned to Amanda and I said, I think this is the place for me. So I started going, and it's, and it's very seldom that I miss. I'm currently leading the second half of the group with the men and I'm both encouraged and humbled by the group of men that I have the privilege of sharing with and getting to know. I thank God for my SA group, the 12 Steps, and Quest 180, and the amazing mentors and relationships I've gained along the way. Thank you for letting me share, and God bless.